0: The kickoff of the Broncos preseason opener with the Cardinals. It's Denver Sports tonight on Denver Sports Station. 1043,
1: the fan. He's Jake Shapiro. I'm Will Peterson. We'll hang out with you for another hour. Be joined by James Merilat shortly, as well as Andrew Mason live from Glendale, Arizona. Uh, Ramoslaw.com text line 303 713 1043. The 6150 chimes in. God, man, is there anything that people don't bleep about these days? We live in a time of whiners. Blah, blah, blah. Talk about the actual game. Here's my response to the texture. All right, texture, I will talk about the actual game. All I'm telling you is, I hope four hours from now, the field isn't the story of the game. How can people not wrap their mind around that? So, yeah, man, I've spent 45 minutes talking about the game, but I'm talking about the field because I'm knocking on all the wood in this studio. I got a bad feeling, 6150. That the field is going to be part of the game, which you want me to talk about. What was the thing that every single
2: NFL coach says going into a preseason game? Our number one goal is to get out of here healthy.
1: Yep. There you go. And a field of this caliber decreases the odds that happens tonight. Correct. There's no other way to slice it. All right, let's talk about the defense, though, because, Jake, obviously there's there's so much attention on the offense, and rightfully so. The offense has to be better this year for the Broncos to have any success, but through a couple weeks of camp, it seems like, for the most part, the reviews of the defense have been overwhelmingly positive. I would agree with that. I've seen it with my own two eyes, and it looks like, hopefully, that yes, losing Ezra Everett was a blow, but a more seasoned Vance Joseph will be able to keep that unit at the same level, if not better than it was a, a season ago.
2: Yeah, that's interesting, because Until, what, end of November, early December, the Broncos had the best defense in the NFL last year, if not the second or third best defense in the NFL. They were awesome. They were really, really awesome. And one of the reasons why they were awesome is they had a good pass rush. Where's the pass rush on this team? Is Nick Benito going to step up? Is Randy Gregory going to stay healthy? Those are big questions. Can Frank Clark turn it on in the regular season instead of being just a postseason player? He's got the Jamal Murray thing going on. I want to see it in the regular season, too. It's gotten him some hardware. It's worked out for Frank yeah, Clark. he has been awesome. I need to see it. I need to see it. It's just the last time Vance Joseph was here, it was not. It did not go well. We all know that. Uh, He is better suited based off people we've talked to, to be a defensive coordinator than a head coach, it does seem. But remember this, Will. Vance was the defensive coordinator for those Arizona Cardinals last year. He was. And they were one of the worst defenses in the NFL. I do not have much faith in this defense going forward through this year because year over year in the NFL, the least replicable skill through teams, is the whole entire defense. I think Sertan's good. I think Simmons is good. I have some questions elsewhere. I mean, I think Singleton's a pretty good player. I think Kawan Williams is a good slot corner. But, Will, like, this whole defense we're counting on to be a top-five defense again so that they can support an offense we think is going to be average. We just hope the offense is average and they've got a great defense and that'll put them through. You're asking a ton of a first-year coordinator with a lot less well, talent.
1: First-year here. He's been a coordinator for years and years and first years year in the NFL. here. He was a coordinator with the Dolphins. He was a head coach here. He was a coordinator in Arizona. I don't, I don't think people are too worried about Vance's resume. But he's working with a whole group, a group of new guys. It's a new system for most of these guys. There's only a couple guys that were in his system before here. Yeah, and he, but he did say he kept a lot of the verbiage, and it's a job of the coordinator to learn the verbiage, not the players. I see what you're saying, though. It's still a change. And believe me, I was as big of advocate of anyone. They needed to find a way to keep Evero, and I don't care that his feelings were hurt about how Hackett was fired after 15 games. They have to keep Evero because Evero's a rising star in this league, and they didn't do it. So I will agree with you there that Evero was a better D coordinator than Vance Joseph. What I will not agree with you on is that this defense isn't gonna be good? I I actually think it's gonna be quite good. I, I don't I don't know where the holes are in this defense. I mean, obviously the D line is a little bit thin, but you still have DJ Jones holding it down. You paid a lot of money to Zach Allen. Yes, Jonathan Harris is a little bit of a question mark, hoping to get Mike Purcell back. But outside of that, Jake, it's really only number two corner that gets my alarm bells going. They are set in the middle. I think they're set on the edge, particularly with the development of Benito. And I think they're set in the secondary, again, outside of number 2 corner. But when you have the best corner and the best safety in football, they can cover up a lot of deficiencies there. Uh, You and I have different outlooks on the defense for the 2023 Broncos. Yeah, and for me,
2: one of those guys is Zach Allen. I have big questions about Zach Allen. And because he did it so well last year and he earned that contract, do not get me wrong, but he was also playing opposite of J.J. Watt. This year, when offensive lines point out at the defense, they're going to be pointing at Zach Allen because he is the number one guy. So can Zach Allen do it when there isn't another top flight pass rusher on the defense? Or can maybe Nick Benito develop into that? Those are my questions. Or Randy Gregory be healthy enough to be that guy. And those are a lot of questions to ask. And for me, in football right now, the biggest trait your defense can do is get after the quarterback. That's the most necessary thing and I just do not have the faith today that I can say for certain that this defense can get after the quarterback. Maybe that changes. I see the potential. I see what you see, but I'm not sold on
1: it yet. Yeah, and obviously, you know, you traded Bradley Chubb, which... In a roundabout way, you traded Bradley Chubb for Sean Payton because you got the pick for Chubb from the Dolphins that you used to get Payton. Um, And that's when the defense fell apart last year, is pretty much right after the Chubb trade. Yeah, it it was a correlation between getting after the quarterback and losing Chubb, which makes sense. He's a former top-five pick. And then you let a really disgruntled Draymond Jones walk out the door. Um, Draymond Jones was a good player, not a great player. But Draymond Jones was also just totally over being a Denver Bronco. And I'm kind of fine with letting those guys walk because if Draymond didn't want to be here, I don't really want him on my team. And
2: I think you saw some of the I don't want to be a Denver Bronco anymore, not only in Draymond Jones, but a lot of guys towards the end of last season, which is how you end up with the embarrassment that was the Christmas Day game.
1: Yes, it was a dysfunctional locker room, to say the least. I do want to focus on this number 2 corner thing, though, Jake, because I watched Damari Mathis, who everyone just says, oh, Damari's the starter, Damari's the starter. Well, Damari was going to have competition until Riley Moss got hurt, got the core surgery. We're here four to six weeks. But, Jake, I watched Damari Mathis get torched on Wednesday at practice. I mean, yeah, it was a great day for Russell Wilson. Don't get me wrong, and I'm excited that I could report that was the best practice I had seen Russ have in the orange and blue because it was. That's what I told Stoke and Zach when I went on with him right after. But at the same time, man, it felt like every single play Sutton or Judy made was on to Mari Mathis, and I am not convinced that he is capable, uh, especially after we saw the four PIs in L.A. against the Chargers on Monday Night Football, I am not convinced the second-year player out of pit is just capable of being a number 2 corner opposite Sertan. Tell me this, how much different did Damari Mathis look when Justin Simmons was practicing? Looked way better. He, he, he was, it's kind of like, I, I, I think I see where you're going. I don't want to put words in your mouth. That whole defense took a step back the second Justin Simmons walked off that practice field. Totally.
2: And that's why I'm not going to be quick to rush uh, and judge Damari Mathis as being unsuitable to be uh, a second dairy cornerback. Yeah, maybe he should actually be a third-string cornerback, uh, a third cornerback or a fourth cornerback. Like a rotational guy. Yeah, he should be a rotational guy in 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 a perfect situation. But when you have a great safety like Justin Simmons, maybe you can get by with having a guy that's just okay in that spot. It does make you nervous because if your starter's just okay, what's behind that? And obviously in the NFL there's always injuries. But there's also a reason that the Broncos spent one of their highest draft picks on a cornerback this year who was scheduled to compete with this guy. It's because they obviously do not have the complete faith in him and that's okay. I don't either, but I think the Broncos might be okay with Damari Mathis if Pat Sertan stays healthy, if Justin Simmons stays healthy, because you're always going to be on the second-best wide receiver and you're always going to have an all-pro safety over the top helping you out.
1: Yeah, it is a shame that Riley Moss got hurt. Again, we heard four weeks, but you know, going under the knife, I, I don't know, four weeks to get back to an NFL game that feels like, I'm not going to say it's a loss rookie year for Riley Moss. That would be too strong of a statement, but my expectations for him have been decreased significantly from what they were a few weeks ago. And then after that, you sign that Fabian Fabian Moreau cat. Remember, he started 14 games for the Giants last year, a playoff team, but he was also a free agent until late July for a reason as well. Maybe he's a guy we could watch tonight on defense. Hey, maybe Fabian Moreau goes out there and has an interception, and we say, hey, now we found someone who can challenge Jamari Mathis.
2: He's going to pick off Colt McCoy,
1: and we're all going to be jumping up and down? You know what? You can only pick off the other guy under seven. center. (laughs) That's Whether cute. that's Kyler Murray or Colt McCoy or David Blau or whoever the Arizona Cardinals tried out there tonight. I know it won't be Murray, obviously, but my point is it's a it's a cast of characters at as, as Cardinals quarterback. There might be a couple guys tonight. You know what? If he picks off their version of Ben DiNucci, good, good for him. At least he made a play.
2: Ben DiNucci. Uh, who is their third-string quarterback? David Blau, yeah. Uh, yeah Clay, David Blau. Clayton Toon is their third-stringer. David Blau is their fourth-stringer. Wow, oh, blast from the past. Uh, yeah, well, you know, I— Obviously, you're looking at guys to make plays, and that's always been my criticism of Pat, Pat Sertan. And it's such a small, nitpicky criticism, and it's because he's so good that guys don't want to throw his direction. But I would just love to see the ball in Pat Sertan's hands a little bit more, somehow get a couple more picks. And I wasn't you know, completely against D-Mac's idea of putting him at punt returner. I thought it was a little bit ridiculous, but I understood his point. I want to see one of our best athletes with the ball is, is what Mac was kind of saying to the to the coaching staff in that. So I would love to see Pat Sertan have a bit more of a productive season in the sense that he is making more plays because the ball is finding him somehow. And by the way, that'll happen if one of these second cornerbacks steps up and becomes one of these lockdown guys or, you know, Justin Simmons is really impossible to throw to that side of the field as well.
1: Yeah, you'll have to throw to Sertan Moore. Uh, In the last three minutes, it's preseason for them too. The Broncos have misspelled Jaleel McLaughlin's name on his jersey. Andrew Mason just put that out on Twitter, at Mace Denver. So Jaleel McLaughlin, my candidate for a big game tonight? Well, he's going to have to do it with his name spelled wrong. On the other side... You either love him or you hate him, but you definitely got an opinion on him. We'll join James Marillette.
0: Taking you up to kickoff of the Broncos preseason opener with the Cardinals, it's Denver Sports Tonight on Denver Sports Station, 104.3 The Fan.
1: Ah, it's been so much fun thus far, and we're about 45 minutes from kickoff. The Broncos. Football is back for the first time since January. I know it's not real football but it feels good to say a Broncos game is right around the corner. He's Jake Shapiro. I'm Will Peterson. And we will bring in James Merrillat. James, you feeling good about game number one in less than an hour, my man?
0: I am. Uh, I haven't been this excited about a preseason game in quite some time. Uh, last year, obviously, we were excited heading into camp with Russ. And, you know, kind of wanted to see what they had. But he didn't play, as we've all been talking about for a year in the preseason. So, here we are. We get to see Sean Payton, the, uh, the 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 his debut as the Broncos head coach. We get to see Russ under Sean Payton. We get to see what this offense looks like. I am uh, I'm very excited about it. The first quarter, maybe the first half, should be a ton of fun tonight. After that, it becomes uh, can Steve Levy and Ryan Harris fill enough time to uh, get us to eleven o'clock? <laughs>
2: <laughs> James, will we learn more tonight against the Arizona Cardinals about this? team moving forward into this regular season or will we do the learning in those joint practices coming up later this month
0: no I think we're going to learn something tonight I, I, I mean last year the Broncos looked good in the joint practices against the Cowboys it was the first time that that Russell Wilson and the offense actually had any good moments in camp and that didn't equate to much I think you'll learn something about uh, this team tonight I, I think the big thing and I was on the Players Club earlier today, and they said, hey, what do you want to see? And, you know, I heard you guys talking about it with Mac. if you'd like to see a touchdown, and I- I'm with you. Obviously, that would be that would be great. What I want to see, though, guys, and it's a little bit more nebulous, is I want to see this team go out and compete. Because I just remember how they played in the preseason last year, and the Buffalo game was the prime example, where they just didn't want to be there, they didn't care. And it- it- it's a team that just didn't seem like they had much pride and I want a bunch of guys who they don't care it's a preseason game if they're on the field they're going to compete they don't care if they're playing darts with Ted Lasso or they're playing badminton or they're doing something else they're trying to win that was what was missing from this team and just sort of the culture and the makeup a year ago that's what I want to see from this team tonight Jake and that's what I want to learn is hey is this a group that if they're on the field whether it's for 15 plays or 50 plays, they're out there trying to kick the guy across the uh, across the line of scrimmages. But that's what I want to see out of the Broncos tonight.
1: Yeah, I'm with you. Uh, you know, camp comfort was such a disaster last year. The Buffalo game with the Hackett apology. Obviously, it felt like the only time camp was any sort of intense last year was those Cowboys yep. joint yeah. practices. And, and Jake talked about the Rams ones that are coming up August 23rd and 24th before that third and final preseason game. But James, when it comes tonight, it really is all about Russ. And I know that's so cliche, and it's all oh, it's the quarterback. Yeah, there's other things going on, but James, we do have to find out who was the who was the real Russ, the first week of camp Russ that struggled tremendously, or the second week of camp Russ that hey, you had some people whispering that kind of looks like Seattle Russ. I do think we'll we'll get an answer to that question tonight in, in some sense.
0: Yeah. I think we will, and I expect it to be what we saw in the last week of camp here, where you know the offense was um, much further along than they were at the start of camp. They'd installed more. I think tonight you should see a continuation of that. And you know what? What I really want to see from Russ is—I mean, it starts with the basics, right? Can this team get in and out of the huddle in a timely fashion and call plays, and you know, not be right up against the play clock constantly? That's a—that's part of it. And then. You know can they can they execute the offense and not just be captain check down, right can can Russ um hit some passes down the field doesn't have to be bombs doesn't have to be the the moon shots doesn't have to be all that but can he throw those intermediary passes can he hit some some wide receivers down the field if it's just check downs to the flat to the running backs and to the you know the tight ends and that kind of thing even if they move the ball, fellas, that won't really excite me all that much. I'd be like, you know, how how you know is that going to translate to the to the regular season? So um, that's what I'm looking for out of Russ. Is you know, can you get the ball downfield a little bit? Can we throw it past the sticks? Can we make those kind of plays on a you know semi regular basis? That would uh, that would make me feel a lot be- lot lot better.
2: James, outside of Russ, who are you looking at the most tonight? What's the guy you go into this game that saying? That guy could go either way or this guy needs to perform, that type of deal.
0: Well, if, if Mike McGlinchey was playing, that would certainly be a guy to be watching. Um, so, you know, Cam Fleming will be out there. I, I think based on kind of what we've seen during camp with Garrett Bowles missing some time and McGlinchey missing some time, like the the odds that Cam Fleming's going to have to play this year, this year, I think are pretty darn good. So what do we see out of him? Um, I'm really interested to see what the the receiver room uh, is going to look like and you know, Jerry Judy and Cortland Sutton. I i think we all know those are the two guys, but who else is going to step up? Are we going to see anything from, uh, from some of the younger players? Are we going to see anything from, from Callaway or little Jordan Humphreys and some of the guys that came in from New Orleans? Like, I think that'll be interesting. I heard you guys talking about Albert O earlier. I think how the tight ends play tonight will be fascinating. And then on the other side of the ball, you know, Nick Benito has been the talk of camp. He's been the story. Yeah. yeah. How does that translate into a game going against somebody else? Uh, Jonathan Cooper has looked good as well. So, you know, what do they have in terms of backups uh, on the edge? And can they they develop a rotation where, hey, how do you keep Randy Gregory, Frank Clark, uh, Baron Browning when he comes back? How do you keep him healthy and fresh? Well, you got to have some guys behind him. So, what do we see there? I think that'll be interesting. And. It sounds silly, but the kicking battle, mm. I, I think, is going to be interesting to watch tonight. I mean, Brett Maher, yeah, he's got a great leg, but when he goes out there to kick an extra point tonight, if he gets a chance, we're all going to be kind of wondering, yeah, hey, is this thing going down the middle, or is this thing, you know, flying off to Jones's here? That will be uh, that will be fascinating to watch. James, I'm so with
1: you, and I'm glad you brought that up because I told Jake earlier in the show. When Maher goes up there, he's like your buddy who hits the drive 320 yards every time. <laughs> yep. And Elliot Fry's like the dude, hey man, you know there's a river 220 out and the fairway just beyond it? You gotta get this thing 220 in the air or your golf ball's getting wet. Elliot Fry's got this wobbly little loopy kick, whereas Maher just hits bombs. But last time I checked, bombs don't help you if they're going into the trees. They still got to be right down the middle.
0: Yeah, exactly. That's what I was going to say. I I like the analogy, and I I think you're spot on. But Maher's that guy that, yeah, he hits bombs, but then he's breaking windows too, right? Right, right. You know, and and when does that happen? Does it happen if you're playing a scramble when, all right, he's going fourth and everybody else has put it in the drink, and then he, you know, does he hit it down the middle? Does he clutch and and help the team, or does he hit it uh, right into the drink as well? So. I, I just think that, you know, he's a really good kicker. He's got a great leg. But, man, the mental part of that position is just so uh, so huge. And where is he at after the way his season ended a year ago in Dallas? I think that's going to be fascinating. And I'm rooting for the guy. And we've all, you know, seen him when you're down there. And when they do the kicking competitions, it, it looks like, a you know, a, a professional kicker and a, a high school kicker. Like, that's how, how much the difference seems to be in the way the ball just kind of Explodes off of uh, off of their foot, but if he can't do it with the you know with the lights on, it doesn't really matter. So that will be uh, that will be fun to watch. This is about as low pressure situation as you can have. But when you're in a competition, all of a sudden preseason game number one on August 11th probably feels a little bit like a playoff game for the Cowboys. At least for uh, for Brett Maher tonight.
1: We've got a little bit of news here in the last minute from one of our insiders, Troy Rank, Denver Seven, James. He has a great picture of Javante Williams in a full uniform for the stretch. Troy's saying he's still not sure if he plays tonight. Plan is definitely to play him in week two. But, James, we're 35 minutes from kickoff, and Javante Williams, who shredded his knee in October, as of this very moment, 7.25 p.m., has a shot to take the field tonight in Arizona. Two things. First of all, I mean, his recovery still gets more and more miraculous by the day. And second, James, does this make you a little nervous? Looks like Javante very well could play tonight. Again, not confirmed, but also not in a sweatsuit out there.
0: Yeah, it's an amazing comeback, but it, it is a little tricky. Now, look, I, I was someone who a year ago, I was fine with guys not playing. I, I tend to go that route. I want to get to uh, you know September 10th and have everybody healthy. So I was uh, in the group that I guess was wrong a year ago. We're all saying we were wrong. But it's funny to me as I listen to – you know the 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 station today, and all the people who rip uh, Nathaniel Hackett for the way he handled preseason the year ago. And listen, there's a there's plenty of reasons to rip him. But then they're all well. Randy Gregory doesn't need to play, and Javante doesn't need to play, and I don't know if Cortland would play, and I don't know if you know this guy would play and that guy would play. It's like, well, you kind of you want it both ways, right? Like we're either playing football or we're not. And so look, if he's healthy. And in, in the plan of attack is we're going to do exactly the opposite of what Nathaniel Hackett did. Then he he needs to play. Does he need to play a ton? No, but a couple of carries, take a hit, see if he can you know break a tackle or two, and then get him on the sidelines. I would go in. Uh, I, I would go in that camp, but it is a little bit of a prime example of how if you're a head coach in the NFL with preseason, you're kind of damned if you do, damned if you don't. Yep. Right. Like Nathaniel Hackett has it, just been beat up mercilessly for how he handled it a year ago. And the fact that they had so many injuries after that, you know, certainly added to it of like, well, it didn't help prevent anything. But if somebody important, and, I, you know, that sounds bad, but we all know there's different levels of importance on the team when you look at the roster, goes down tonight. We're all going to say, why in the world did Sean Payton have him on the field on August 11th? That, that's just what we're going to say. So, um, you know, with every preseason game, with every training camp practice, you kind of hold your breath. And, you know, it's the cliche, and you'll hear it tonight on the broadcast, but getting out healthy is priority number one. Well,
1: and James, we've got a big, big name who we were told is going to play tonight, who is not in uniform. This coming out in the last two minutes. I'm not sure why we were told he's going to play. He isn't. We'll tell you next. rolling with you for another half hour. Pleasure to be joined by my guy James Merrillat, and then we'll get some Andrew Mason on here before we get out of here. Broncos and Cardinals kicking off in about a half hour. James, I am watching the uh, pregame show over on 9 News at the moment, and they are talking about this, and I've also seen it on Twitter from multiple sources in the last few minutes. Big name that we were told was going to play who is not in uniform, and that is Frank Clark. I'm okay with it. I just want to know why. Because, James, the plan changed at some point in the last 48 hours.
0: Yeah, so that makes you wonder what's going on. Um, Look, does it make sense to play him tonight? No, it doesn't. But Sean Payton is, I mean, if if you're playing Javante Williams, why would you not play Frank Clark? Uh, If you're playing Randy Gregory, why would you not play uh, Frank Clark? So it's a little bit of a head scratcher, a little bit of a mystery. Uh, curious to hear if we get an answer from down there tonight, uh, post game, whether it's on Nine News or in the in the press conferences. But uh, look, I, I think it's the the wise move. If it's Justin Simmons isn't playing tonight either, he missed a couple of days of, of practice with the groin injury. Why on earth does he need to be out there? He doesn't. He looks like he before he got injured. He looked like he was ready to go. So hey, let's just get to the regular season healthy. I would put Frank Clark, a veteran player, in that same category. But again it goes back to what we were talking about in the last segment will of you know where do you draw the line and clearly they didn't play enough last year and they which was zero so zero isn't the answer Correct but how how much do you play cuz there is also a point where you're you're too much and you're out there and putting you know key players in harm's way and risking the season going up in smoke in August and you don't want that so it's a it's a delicate balance. Frank Clark not playing tonight. I am uh, I am fine with that.
1: Here's the list of players not playing. You mentioned Justin Simmons. Again, these are guys who are not in uniform or warming up. Justin Simmons, obviously we know he's battling the groin. Riley Moss, we know the rookie got surgery. Frank Clark, we do not know. We were told he was going to play. He's now not. Mike McGlinchey, we know, knee sprain two to three weeks. Chris Manhurts, their top blocking tight end, James. I had not heard... Much on anything with Manhurts, I'm going to qualify that one as a surprise. Uh, Brandon Johnson, we know, sprained the ankle out a week or two. Aaron Patrick, we know he's got the ACL recovery still progressing. So obviously, you know, guys like Baron Browning, Mike Purcell, but they're on the NFIs and the Pup List. The only two that jump out to me are Clark and Manhurts as sort of the, hmm, what's going on there?
0: Yeah, and, you know, I, I guess logic would tell us that they must have some sort of Minor injury, nothing that, you know, came up during camp that we all heard about or noticed or whatever, but it's not worth the risk tonight. And I'm fine with that. Like, that's a, that's probably a prudent decision. I do gotta, gotta say though, Will, man, you guys and all the people on Twitter, the hand wringing about this field. Oh, my goodness. I mean, if it doesn't look like the 16th green at Augusta, you guys yeah, just don't want anybody to step on it. And, you know, gosh, I hope they can run, jog to the sideline without hurting themselves. I mean, Goodness gracious, Ray Nitsky is rolling over in his grave hearing about this.
1: Are you, are you really, like, not worried about this turf? No. Is, this a, is this a shtick or is this serious?
0: I'm serious. I'm not worried about it at all. Guys get hurt on all sorts of different kinds of fields. Uh, you know, I mean, is it a little chopped up and... A little? Up, sure. They're
1: filling in divots, James. Wow,
0: go go look at photos from the nineteen sixties and the fields these guys played on. I mean, I just I just don't get it. I, I just don't understand the hand. Wow. I really don't. Wow. Well, I mean, I, I, James, I, I hope like
1: you're right. Beach. I hope you're right, dude. But I don't want to be the I told you so guy in three and a half hours when when one of these players on either team is, is lost for the year, just like happened to Marlon Mack two days ago on this very field.
0: Well, somebody, you know, Tim Patrick got hurt down at Dove Valley, and somebody's going to get hurt in a game this weekend. Like, it happens every single uh, night or every single weekend uh, of preseason football. Somebody's going to go down. I just think to it's just such a bubble wrap mentality like, oh my god, how can we possibly step out on this field that would have been pristine? It would have been the nicest field in the league in 1992.
1: Did you I, see Ariel's video? Like I the did. The, was, the field is coming up in chunks, James. There were clumps. Every time up, someone plants their cleat, to say they're going to be playing, Jake they're no going to be playing in the desert sand by 10:30 oh tonight. Oh my
0: goodness! I heard Jake call it. They said it looked like the beach. I'm like, man. We are we are just couldn't we could not be on more polar opposites here. Like I, I just am like, hey, you know what? It's, is it ideal? No. Do I think it's treacherous and dangerous? I'm like,
1: goodness
0: sakes, no. Well,
1: well Mike Kliss is concerned about it, Andrew Mason's concerned about it. Troy yeah, Rank is concerned a bunch about of it.
0: ringers now. That's what, that's what we do. We just If everything's not perfect, we just wring our hands and, oh, my gosh, how can we possibly deal with this? Oh, my God, there's lightning within 48 miles of the stadium. Let's send everybody home. Oh, my gosh, it might snow tomorrow. We might get three flakes. Let's cancel school. This, this falls into the same category.
1: I, I just hope it's not a story tonight. I, I, I
0: hope it's not either. I, I totally disagree with you tonight, on this. It's not necessarily because of the field, but it will turn into that. That will be the story.
1: Well, I, I just think it's absurd they don't have artificial turf down there because Jake gave me a science lecture about why they can't grow grass. That's fine. <laughs> Guess what? I heard
0: half, that. It was a saguaro cactuses. Like it was yeah. a,
1: but, a but, but half the stadiums in the league have, have some sort of artificial surface. So why are these geniuses in Arizona thinking they can still grow grass when you can't grow grass effectively in 120 degrees?
0: I'll bet you if we went out to the course, the TPC course, where they, you know, they, they play the Western or the Waste Management Open, I'll bet that grass is green as could be. Yeah, but it's perfect
1: because guys aren't playing football on it. They're walking in their golf
0: They're shoes. They're swinging metal clubs into it.
1: Yeah, so and I bet the I bet, I bet the box. Fun. You know what? I bet the T boxes look exactly like Arizona's football field looks like. <laughs>
0: You guys would say it's dangerous. We can't possibly step out there and swing a club.
1: All right, we got you for a few more minutes before we get over to May. So uh, just give me one or two keys tonight, one or two things that will make tonight successful um, for the Denver Broncos in their first game action since January. All
0: right, well, I got to go cliche. It's preseason, right? So you got to start with the cliche. got to come out healthy, Will.
1: Oh, well, yeah, Looks (laughs) looks like better turf would help them do that.
0: That's number one. Uh, number two, look—we all will feel better if this offense looks sharp. And you know, I, I don't know what that is number-wise. I don't even know what it is in terms of points on the board, but we'll all know it when we see it. Yes, right? I agree. Like if they come out and they're they're first and twenty because it's false start, false start. Like okay, that's the opposite of sharp. You know, just kind of on schedule, moving the ball down the field, not constantly in third and long. Um, you know, if Russ isn't running for his life, you know, just those kind of just those kind of things. And I think defensively, I want to see a, a group that's flying around, that's making plays, that, that's forcing the action. Because you can go back to Vic Fangio and even Ezra Everett a year ago, and the Broncos have had good defense as well, but they haven't had defenses that that made anything happen. Right, like the Fangio, the Fangio groups were infamous for, you know, not getting sacks, not getting turnovers. First team in NFL history to go the first three games of a season without getting a sack or forcing a turnover. That's the epitome of it. Like, make something happen. And you may give up some big plays along the way over the course of a season, but are you getting the ball back for your offense and giving them 30 yards to go for a score instead of, man, how many times last year were the Broncos starting drives inside their own 10? you got to be the the Eagles or the Chiefs if you think you're going to put up 90-plus yard drives uh, to get touchdowns very often. So does this defense fly around and make some plays? You'll just kind of, you know, to me a lot of uh, defense is a lot about attitude. What's the attitude that this – vj group comes out with that's what i'm looking for as well on that side of the ball yeah
1: i'm with you go get a pick six go yeah. force a fumble go go score on defense right go exactly go do something that makes people say whoa i can't believe they just got a scoop and score because randy gregory came off the edge blindsided their backup quarterback the ball scuffles i don't know what the word i'm looking popped out whatever popped out seven yards backwards and uh, Alex Singleton picked it up and took it to the house. Do yeah. something like that, right?
0: I just don't want to see death by paper cut anymore. Yeah. Where it's like, yeah, they only gave up 17 points, but they couldn't get the other team off the field. And we saw this a year ago, right? They, they in the To me, the pivotal game of the year, well, two games. It was week four against the the Raiders, followed up by week five, the Thursday night game against the Colts, right? They go into Vegas, they're 2-1, and had every opportunity to win that game. They should have beat Indy. Like, if you're 4-1 and at that point, who knows how the season turns out. Yep. But Russ throws the deep ball, he gives it to K.J. Hamler, then he scores. It's where he hurt his his shoulder. He scores to make it 25-23 with seven and a half minutes to go in the fourth quarter. The Broncos never got the football back. Mm. Killer. It's death by paper cut. Can you make something happen there? And, and, again, even if you give up a score, at least you get the ball back and, and you got a chance to, to do something with it. So that's just what I want to see out of that group. And I want the offense to be efficient. And like we said, you know, I, I, I'm not going to say he's got to go, you know, 6 for 10 and you know 80 yards and a touchdown that would probably be efficient but you know there are ways that the stats can be misleading you and I when we're uh, when we're texting tonight during the game and when we're you know doing Denver sports tonight next we'll we'll know if it was efficient or not that's what I want to see out of the offense
1: and you know who scored on defense James just to get to back to that point real quick the 2015 Broncos yeah they scored on defense all the time including in the Super Bowl That's what great defenses do. They make turnovers and they even find a way sometimes to put the ball into the end zone.
0: I I mean, I think it keeps the lead at a pick six in the opener against the Ravens. Joe Flacco. Uh, Was that the Bradley Roby week two game?
1: Yep, that was the scoop and score. Trivia question: who knocked the ball out?
0: Uh, It was, uh, oh my gosh, why am I blanking on the linebacker's name? Brandon Marshall. Yes, Brandon Marshall. Thank you. Uh, Akib
1: had the pick six in Cleveland. Remember when he started showing off yep. about halfway down the field?
0: Yep. I mean, so I bet that I bet that team I bet that defense scored five touchdowns that year. Yeah, and of
1: course Vaughn had the strip sack of Cam Newton that Malik Jackson jumped on in the Super Bowl. So yeah, score score touchdowns, score touchdowns, fellas. And I know that's not going to happen every game, but every once in a while would be nice. All right, James. Final thing for you, and then we'll let you go. Uh, prediction for tonight, and maybe an MVP of the game, if you will.
0: I think the Broncos are going to come out and look really good. I, I think Sean Payton wants to make a good first impression. I think when you're a new head coach, you know the preseason. Yeah, it doesn't matter, but it kind of does. I think the Broncos come out and roll a bad Cardinals team tonight. I think I think Russell Wilson's going to look really good. I think Denver wins this game like twenty-eight to. 10. I think it's a I think it's a route in the desert.
1: I love it. We're about 20 minutes away from finding out great stuff, James. And coming up on the other side, we're going down to Arizona. Our senior Broncos rider, Andrew Mason, from inside State Farm Stadium.
0: Taking you up to kickoff of the Broncos preseason opener with the Cardinals. It's Denver Sports Tonight on Denver Sports Station. 1043 the Fan. We are mere
1: moments away from kickoff. Broncos and Cardinals, they'll do it preseason week one down in Glendale, Arizona. Watching the uh, pregame coverage now, getting me fired up. Although, I do have to make a note of this. Chris Thomason of the Denver Gazette took a nice wide shot of the stadium. And uh, let's just say there are still good seats remaining down there in Glendale for preseason week one. Uh, StubHub apparently has tickets for as low as $6. Folks uh, making a last-minute decision to get in the door, but you know what, it's it, it's a massive stadium. It is what it is. That's preseason, and uh, we'll have to see how this joint fills up with kickoff rapidly approaching Broncos and Cardinals. I'm Will Peterson. I want to thank all our guests tonight. Obviously, Jake Shapiro rolled with me for a while DMAC hung out, James Merillat, who uh, says the turf is no big deal. Let's hope it remains no big deal. We'll have to see how that shakes out. If, if you're just tuning in to the show, I mean, the turf is a disaster. Um, eh, there's no other way to slice it. We've got videos of guys replacing divots, we've got videos of um, like sand coming up every time a cleat goes into the ground. We've just got videos of a playing track that doesn't look great to play on. And with that, we'll bring in our senior Broncos rider, Andrew Mason, to talk about it. Mace, obviously there's a lot of stories, and we're going to get to them here in the next few minutes, leading folks up to kickoff. But is the turf as bad in person as, as all the videos and photos look?
3: Yeah, I think it is. I was actually down there uh, right right by uh, right by where it looked really bad. What had happened was that was an area where you had – um, I believe it was the Arizona returners fielding punts and kickoffs over the course of a few minutes. And it just, I mean, they were just kicking up divots uh, left, right, and center. Um, they got some of it picked up, it looks like, from a distance. But this is not, this is the kind of field that you expect in Chicago in December, not Arizona to start the season. It's just, it's, uh, it's it's not of a standard that you want
1: right now. Yeah, I mean, it's obviously I've, – I've said it a couple times throughout the two hours that I've been on tonight. I hope it's not a story during the game or after the game, but uh, we're holding our breath, that's for sure. We're going to have to wait and see. Hopefully no one gets hurt. But let's talk about the football, Mace. Uh, we've learned in the last few minutes no uniform for Frank Clark, that's the biggest surprise. We were told he's going to play. He's now not playing. Are you hearing anything on that? Has his status changed? Are they being cautious? Or if you don't have any info, I get it because it just happened. But what do you make of Frank Clark suddenly not playing after we were after we were told he would? I mean, I don't have any specific info on that. Maybe they just
3: decided to be uh, to, to, to be cautious and have him go. Next week, perhaps, but I mean that's just speculation at this point regarding Frank Clark. I mean, I think you have Randy Gregory good to go. You have Garrett Bowles, who's been on uh, on a rehab program and is uh, and has been held out. someday he's good to go. Javante Williams was in uniform for for pre-game warm-ups. So, given all that, I think it's a it's a little bit of a surprise. I mean, also another guy who's missed some time this week, Kwan Williams. He's in uniform and good to go this week. That actually was a bit of a surprise seeing him out there.
1: And what about Javante Williams also being in uniform? Um, obviously, we're mere minutes from kick, so we're going to get these answers whether or not he's playing. But, Mace, I was surprised Javante Williams wasn't in a track suit out there.
3: Yeah, well, I mean, and he was out there. He looked uh, in warm-ups. He looked comfortable, like he was cutting well. No, appeared to have uh, no, no issues that would, uh, that would pop up, so... I mean, he's he's been on track all through camp. He's uh, they've you know they've they've been prudent with his workload. And I can't imagine he carries the ball more than a couple of times if he ends up out there actually running tonight. But just having him in uniform is a great time.
1: What's the vibe down there in Glendale tonight? I I made the joke right as the segment started that there are plenty of good seats available. Uh, you know, there's reporters saying there's still six dollar tickets on StubHub. Are, are you feeling like man, football is back? It's here. Or are you feeling like ah, uh, this is sort of a glorified scrimmage with fans in the crowd? Just sort of give us a, a run through the atmosphere down there since you're at the stadium.
3: I mean, definitely it's more of the uh, of the glorified scrimmage type of type of atmosphere. Um, that's uh, that's just part and parcel of this and the Broncos. Uh, although it's been a minute since they've been down here over the years, uh, they've been a pretty uh, regular preseason opponent. So it doesn't. So it just it feels like uh, a lot of those needs. Now the other layer to it here in Arizona is uh, that expectations for these Cardinals this year could scarcely be much lower right. than they are. And I think that that certainly is to that. To that even by preseason standards, there's there really wasn't a lot of buzz uh, in, in the stadium as uh, as warm up as warm ups happened. I mean. Hey, the, the guy doing the guy spinning the tunes, uh, the pregame DJ, he was doing his best, but um, yeah, it's, it's it's preseason football between a couple of teams that uh, uh, have mostly been also ranked over the last few years.
1: May she'll be happy to know that DMac, you and I, and. Uh... D we're on coffee break this morning. For those that don't know what that is, it's our digital show on all our social platforms, YouTube, DenverSports.com. Uh, we did it this morning as the great Rachel Hill is out of town, and Mac said it wasn't a big deal if the starters scored a touchdown. And then as we sat here at 6 o'clock tonight, he told me he had changed his mind. He thinks it's important for the starters to score a touchdown. So I I felt like I did my work and, and flipped him in seven and a half hours Refresh us. Where do you check in? How important is it that Russell Wilson and the number one offense find the end zone tonight?
3: Well, I mean, I think it depends on the drive length, right? I mean, if if there's a turnover and they're set up at the ten yard line, and they get a touchdown. I mean, that that's just good field position. i What I would like to see is at least one good sustained drive. And if it happens to fall short and ends in a field goal, so be it. I think. I, I'm okay with just seeing points. I don't specifically need to see a touchdown. And, again, part of it is it's preseason. It's process more than result, at least in my eyes.
1: Maze, any sleepers tonight? Any guys we need to watch um, that, you know, I know the McLaughlins and the Grimeses have become the training camp darlings, but give us a name or two that, especially in that second half, you know, I know it's a Friday night. Broncos country is excited for this game, but we've all worked all week. Give me a reason to stay tuned in at ten fifteen tonight. Well, a guy has been making some plays down the depth
3: chart at X rusher. Has been uh, Marcus Haynes, the undrafted rookie, making some plays all the way back to to OTAs, mini camps. So let's see what he does when the the lights go go on. That's that's a guy that, kind of, that I would say uh, down the depth chart to keep your eye on. Uh, Fayon Hicks, who was a practice squad cornerback last year, is right there battling to be the backup slot corner behind Kaywon Williams. He's had some moments in camp. He had a one pick six in seven on seven, for example. So those those are a couple of names that aren't, uh, you know, aren't uh, backs or receivers or quarterbacks. I'd say uh, have a chance to maybe uh, turn some heads and work their way up.
1: All right, last one for you, Mason. It's preseason. We know the outcome doesn't matter per se, but we can still learn a lot, and there are certainly plays tonight that are going to decide if guys get jobs or don't get jobs on the 53-man roster. How's this one shake out for the Denver Broncos, the unofficial start of the Sean Payton era?
3: I think they'll win, and I think they'll win comfortably. I think Just, uh, having the starters out there, I think, will get things off to a good start. But thing, here's the deal. When you play your starters like that, it's a ripple effect because then uh, you've got your second. You know, you're, you're, as we saw, like in that Buffalo game last year, you had second teamers going against for the Bills, going against the third teamers for the Broncos, and so on. So, I think the Broncos playing their starters as deep as they plan to play, fifteen, eighteen plays, according to Sean Payton. Um, I think that means you may see uh, the Broncos at an advantage. Uh, for much of the game and I think that'll
1: lead to a comfortable you're the best Mace. We'll read all about it on Denversports.com. Enjoy the game. Catch you later, my friend. All right, thanks. Will have a good night. Thank you. You too. Andrew Mason, there he goes. His excellent work at Denversports.com. If you want some last minute reading, he's got his five guys to watch there, uh, front and center. Got probably ten minutes to kick, maybe seven, eight, nine. Go check it out. Five guys to watch. He gave you a little preview in that answer as well. Uh, I'm with Mace. I'm with James. Broncos are going to roll tonight. Cardinals absolutely stink. And Sean Payton's starters are motivated as all heck. Because this is not Camp Comfort. This is not Camp Hackett. This is Camp Comeback on Denver Sports Station 104.3. The Fan.